0: But just don't dive in thinking it's going to be great from the beginning because it's you've got to make sacrifices. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the hours. If you're doing it just for the money, if you're doing it just because you think it'll be like, create the lifestyle you want immediately, uh, then you're definitely not doing it for the right reasons.
1: Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners.
2: I'm your host, Chase Clymer.
1: And I'm your host, Annette Grant.
2: And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game.
1: If you are struggling to scale your sales, Electric Guy is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electricguyio connect to learn more.
2: And let's get on with the show. On today's episode of Honest Commerce, we welcome Jimmy Hickey, the founder of Finley Hats sharing his merchant journey. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. This is the first time we're trying video. So this is a crowning achievement. Today, we welcome to the show Jimmy Hickey from Finley Hats. How are you doing today?
0: Woo! I'm doing grand. I got my yerba mate. I'm sitting pretty and ready, uh, ready for a good day.
2: Awesome. With the power of technology, we are hundreds of thousands of miles apart. I don't know how far away uh, <laughs> from me, actually. I'd say a thousand maybe from Portland. Yeah, that sounds
0: about right. I think maybe a little past that.
2: Yeah. Well, all I know is uh, back way, way back when when I was in the band. One time we had to drive from Columbus, Ohio, all the way to Seattle, Washington, no stops, and that's when I uh, contemplated quitting music for the first time.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, wow. See, you know, I think those uh, those long drives uh, were either make or break. Yeah, and uh, it almost broke you, but it sounds like you uh, survived. So, congrats.
2: I, I, I stuck doing music for way too long. I still have a love for it, and I'm still kind of involved. If anyone knows me beyond this uh, podcast, so. With that being said, uh I was so excited to have Jimmy on the show. He's built an amazing business. Uh another one of our like founders series episodes, I guess we're doing here. So, anyways, take us back before Finley hats. What were you doing?
0: So prior to Finley, I was a full time photographer. Uh in action, portrait, and uh like documentary. Those are like the three kind of main things I guess I was interested in. Uh, my bread and butter were just super simple senior portraits. Like I just took senior portraits for families, and it kind of varies across the country, but uh, at least out here, people were, were paying a lot for senior portraits. So I made a pretty comfortable living doing that. The downside was it was super seasonal. Um, the commercial photography was cool because I got to work with different companies, um, but the downside there was the budget for commercial work was like nothing. Like I went to school for commercial photography, and legitimately, like out of all the commercial clients I had, the only company that ever paid what we were taught to charge for like. A normal, you know, day rate or the like commercial shoot was Nike. Uh, so past that, every other commercial client I had was just had no budget. And being on the other side of the coin, I kind of see that. Um, either and then there's just no money in documentary photography. So it was something I was passionate about. I love to create. I love to you know have something in my mind and then turn it into a reality. And photography was scratching that itch, but because it was so seasonal and because it's like getting more and more saturated every day, it was a very difficult and competitive marketplace to be in. Uh, So I started kind of investigating other avenues for uh, income, at least as a side project.
2: So with uh, your photography, you Canon or Nikon, man?
0: Canon all day.
2: Oh, we are best friends now.
0: All right, yeah.
2: Yeah, It's gonna make comments happen, and people are gonna not like. (laughs) I chose a side. You're not supposed to.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the Chase Jarvis says the best camera in the world is the one in your hands. So,
2: oh yeah, my favorite comment back when I was shooting a lot, which is funny. So uh, that's how I got into this side of the business too. Is uh, when back when I was in the band, I was doing photography. I was shooting uh, like promotion photos for the bands. I was shooting for magazines. I was doing all sorts of stuff, uh, but I couldn't do that on the road. You know, you can't line up gigs in thirty-two cities. You know what I mean? That was impossible. So that's when I started getting more into like web design and marketing and learning. Nice. All the all that kind of skills that I have today, but I still have a huge passion for photography. And I, uh, when I get to you know grab the camera and go have fun, it's it's still really fun for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with the the stress less on your, your back for having to you know do stuff when you're doing it more on your terms versus like trying to make it to make it happen for.
2: Yeah, how often are you doing something for your business, and you're like, I'm just gonna go take this picture.
0: Uh, I mean, I do a majority of like the content creation. We have a uh, one of our marketing girls also does a lot of video stuff, and uh, we'll usually tag team video projects. I'll do most of the photo stuff, um, and then she'll do most of the video editing.
2: Well, that's uh, awesome. You can you can kind of keep the costs down, you know, having those skills kind of in house and giving you something to do with the day to day.
0: Oh yeah. Well, and I mean, I I uh, it's really tough signing off on photo work because it's just anytime I pass it off to another you know person or. Anything, it, it's tough to get my full seal of approval when it comes to photo stuff because I got a very peculiar eye and very, uh, you know, I just like having full creative control over that aspect more than any other thing. But, you know, <laughs> that, that skill set comes in handy for content creation for, you know, social media stuff like, you know, our Instagram posts are just, it's really easy to get a quick, quality professional shot, set up some lighting, set up, you know, some good stuff there. So it comes in handy.
2: Yeah. I think that's the hardest part of growing any business is handing off the stuff that like you were doing really, really well. Uh I'm personally having trouble letting go of our newsletter. I still like <laughs> to write it every week. Nice.
0: Yeah. What what got you to the the breaking point there to have to pass it off?
2: That it's getting other things are getting in the way and I don't want to miss a week. I don't want my responsibilities as, you know, as a partner here to get in the way of me like producing that content. And it's, you know, it's kind of like Kurt Elster said something really cool when I saw him speak a few years ago. He was like, "It's kind of like head work or hand work. Like if, if you don't need to think about it, it's got kind of a script behind it. Like why are you still doing it?" So no, just... and I try to try to take that stuff to heart and get the stuff off my plate because there's you know within the agency world or just any service business, you know there's like that thousand dollar an hour activity that only you can do as the business owner, and that's where I need to focus. half my time. I don't need to be writing a, an email. That's like not really that important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially in same same boat on our end with email marketing. The uh, less of that's less of the things that I enjoy doing. It was actually one of my least favorite aspects of marketing on our end was it is email marketing. So, like within the last month, we started working with an agency that's doing a really great job. But it's just that was one of my most difficult kind of genres of work was like you know creating emails that would get a high open rate, high click rate, or just work. And so now working with an agency with someone who just specializes in that has been a a great feeling. So that's what that's a good example of hiring for a weakness. Um that was a very easy one to sign off on, minus the you know, new expense. But uh yeah, I agree with you fully that passing off the stuff you enjoy and like is definitely a tough one.
2: Absolutely cool. So let's take it back to the beginning. So after after photography, uh what prompted kind of like uh a hat brand? You know, where'd you where'd you get into that?
0: So the the original concept for our hats, I actually invented when I was like 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that age range. I want to say closer to 14, probably. But um, so I was rafting down the mighty Toodle River. It's like this beautiful. Are you, are you familiar with uh, Mount St. Helens out here? Yes. Our, our volcano? Yeah. So, like, the Toodle River is one of the uh, like rivers that just, you know, I think it's glacier runoff from it. And when Mount St. Helens erupted, it's basically just like washed out this river. And there's like, you know, you'll when you're uh, rafting down it, you'll see like logging trucks and uh, like cars and just like like houses and stuff. Like it's crazy. Like huge piles of rebar, like you know, like twenty feet tall, thirty feet wide. Like it's crazy. There's just a lot of like weird debris out there because of the uh the, the eruption. So it's a really cool little place to raft, and uh, every summer we'd go out there and do some rafting. And I'm like a hat addict, right? Like I pretty much have a hat on my head from when I get out of bed to when I get to bed in the evening. That's uh, very few times with this hat's not on my head. If I'm dinner with my parents, I'll take it off for my mom. That's about it. So you know, rafting's no exception. And uh, some rafting, and we go through the the Hollywood Gorge, which is like the most like the sketchiest part of the uh, Tudor River, and it's. Uh, like people die there. It's a heavy duty spot. Like it definitely gets your adrenaline pumping. And you have to like stay left and then go immediate right. And if you mess up, you yeah, it's no good. Well, uh, we messed up and uh, capsized the raft. And uh, along with you know falling off the raft, uh, I lost uh, my favorite hat, which was like this like quilted khaki Burton hat that was like had kind of like an S pat or S pattern of quilting all around it. And it was a bummer because I loved that hat. I had some good times in that hat, and uh, had to spend the rest of the, rest of the day without a hat on my head, like in a hot, you know, summer day. And uh, I think I had a really bad haircut at the time too, like a like a humorously bad haircut, like a, like the opposite of like a monk haircut, like a halo. Mm-hmm. It was we were just messing around. I don't really know. Either way, I had to deal with that all day. And so the next time I wrapped I'm like, yeah, I'm just not gonna lose my hat this time. So I took a pocket knife, cut a hole, um, like right here. And the sweatband of the hat on each side and took my shoelace out of my shoes and made my first uh Finley hat with the um, you know with the laces down now they got the beauty of video I like can kind of shows... kind of this is a much more advanced version of it but kind of like that style it was a bad clip Ooh, really bad clip but uh yeah so it was my first water hat so basically the the lace would keep your hat on your head so next time you capsize the wrap you don't have to worry about the hat falling off so I wore it. Went rafting. I forget if I actually had to put it to the test, like if we fell out or not. Regardless, uh, we didn't not lose my hat. And I called on my water hat. And every time I went out rafting or on a boat or just kind of, I pretty much wore that hat exclusively. And every time I wore it, people were like, "Man, that hat's so sick! Where'd you get it?" I was like, "I made it myself." And I'm like, "Well, cool. If you make more, like, I'd buy one." And uh, fast forward like eight, nine, ten years, I decided to make more.
2: Oh, that's an awesome story and a brilliant concept that it did it is come to you. You were just looking at your shoes, looking at your hat, but like, oh, put that together.
0: Honestly, the the exact like thought process that, that that came to me, I have no idea like what or how I decided to do that. I just remember like it was just like a very like second nature like I need to problem solve here. And it's like, okay, well I can do this. And like I, I have a very like faint memory of the actual cutting of the the hat with the pocket knife. And I have no process of like what actually made me like, yeah, I'm gonna take the laces out and just do this. So,
2: yeah, I mean, it's the best ideas are just so simple and so easy to execute. So that's, that's proof right there,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty simple concept that um, you know has grown in the past. You know, we're going on six years now. Uh, grown from just a simple idea that helped keep my hat on that head rafting that day to... You know, we're a 12 person team. We're, we're you know and heads around the planet, and uh yeah, it's crazy. I just one little lace adage I had has you know made a pretty big impact on things, so you know we're talking right now because of that that little lace thing so absolutely yeah, absolutely. we got that beautiful we got the patent for it oh yeah,
2: official. So we got the
0: oh yeah, nice and official cool. yeah. you're, probably yeah. first,
2: you're probably the first patent owner that I've had on the podcast. How would you yeah. that one, how's that process? Sounds probably terrible. Two, uh, how has it affected your business?
0: So the patent wasn't terrible we We had a really good um, attorney for it who basically like before we got the patent process started, he was referred to by a friend and he was into photography hobbyist, but um, we talked shop about photography, and actually like through that, I was kind of able to gauge like you know, how much of a like if he was shifty or not. And he just was completely like just he knew his stuff when it came to photography. He wasn't exaggerating. He just he basically I trusted him talking on a one to one level with photography, which I feel like with like amateurs or just anyone who's not really in the scene, like will it like, kind of exaggerate and just like not, you know, maybe rub me the wrong way. But he was super like he just he was knowledgeable. He wasn't over the top he just I trust him my photographer's like okay I probably can trust him with our patent process and uh, honestly we sat down he took some notes he made some sketches and he told me like it'll be like probably 4500 dollars to start and then it'll probably end up going between like seven and 10k after and um, like this was probably a year or two after we started and I can I can expand a little bit more into that It's actually a good reason uh, at some point I wanted to touch on why we didn't get a patent immediately. Uh, but after a year or two, after we kind of proved that we had, you know, enough of a business to invest that money in it, we uh, we moved forward with it. But the process was pretty simple. We literally like looked at that and asked you some questions and then left. But it was expensive because every couple months we'd get a five hundred to a twelve hundred dollars like invoice from them to pay, um, and that just kept going for. I mean, we I think I still have one over here. Like we, they, it, it's constant; they, they they keep coming in still because. Uh, you know, you have to go through multiple revisions. Generally, you just your patent will never get apply, or never get uh, approved first try. Um, generally, it has to go through like you know they'll find multiple points that that are wrong with it, and then they have to fight. You have to like counter those points or adjust those points, and each time you're paying more money to the you know the team of lawyers to make those adjustments. Um, so yeah, all said and done, it took I want to say two and a half to three years ish. At least two years, and it was uh, close to like nine thousand dollars or so. With like, I think our final big invoice, we still have to pay for it for like, uh, because we had to fight it. Like the patent office like approved it, and then put us through another hoop where we had to still like fight to claim it was still valid versus three other styles that were semi had similar like points that were like related to ours, but not the exact same.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, let's go back to the beginning of the company. The first couple of years, why didn't you get the patent? It was expensive. And then, why did you need to get it after a certain while?
0: So, we didn't get it at first. It was the cost. We just
2: couldn't afford to do it. And then, a
0: family friend. Um, and this is actually some of the best advice we've ever got for Finley stuff. This is before or right after Finley launched. This is like a, at a Christmas Eve party. Uh, he's a family friend. He's like a um, like a real estate attorney or something. So he's, you know, mm-hmm. knows legal lease, but he doesn't know patent law. Yeah. Um, but he was looking at the late hat. He's like, I just, I don't think you can actually get a patent for that. Like, it's just too simple. So, what you should worry about instead is building a strong, like, community that will basically, when someone does rip that patent off, You'll own the space, and the community will like basically stand up, and be like, "Yo, like that's not right. Like this is a Finley hat. That's not you know, your thing." So with that in mind, that's why we really focused heavily on creating the Finley Force, which is the community around our brand, which is our you know, we try to promote it as more than just like customers. It's like a community, and uh, so you know, we have a private group of people who just collect our hats or people who are really into the scene. Um, we try to have an open and active uh, dialogue with our customers and community. We try to. You know, we do all of these like community building things for people that you know support our hats, and as a result, we have this really strong, tight knit group of customers who, you know, one obviously word of mouth is huge, but two they, uh, um, I mean, I guess word of mouth is the, the biggest piece of it, but two it's just it really, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's it's been good having the Finley force. I guess I can just keep it simple at that end. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things where like when you see someone wearing. You know, an Adidas shirt on the street or something like that. No one's like, unless it's a dope design, no one's going to be like, "Hell yeah, man, Adidas!" Um, but with Finley, it's like when someone sees some another Finley Force member out in the wild, like it's like an actual thing. Like people are like, "Hey, what's up, Finley Force?" Like, and like talk. It's like a conversation starter. It's like, you know, like an automatic like kind of friend if you're wearing Finley. And we actually have a really cool post on our Facebook right now where it's like, "Have you ran into a Finley Force member in the wild?" And uh, I haven't checked it today yet, but I know went, before I went to bed last night, it had like, you know, 90 different responses of people saying that, right. um, telling stories about running into people. So, and that all stems from uh, just the simple idea that we wanted our, we didn't, we couldn't afford to get a patent. We didn't know if we could get a patent. So we wanted to have this community that would defend us.
2: Yeah. And I mean, that's just taking brand to the next level. You just invested in your brand, building a conversation and a community around the brand itself, which, was pretty much free to do. It just took work, good content, good ideas, uh, because you didn't have the capital to trademark. Well, not trademark, it, sorry, but to get the patent for it at that time. Yeah, and I'm sure it's paid off uh, in dividends now. That that time yeah. in, 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 at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's it's one of those things where we still invest heavily. You know, we have two people who, uh, you know, every including and so three people, including myself, uh, who just hit our Facebook comments, Instagram comments um respond as many people as we can we've a very like you know i uh you know it's something that is difficult to scale as we have literally like hundreds of to thousands of comments to go through because you know we've all these different ads for prospecting and retargeting and all this stuff there's just uh, there's pretty much an endless flow of comments to hit as soon as you finish you know get to the bottom of it there's 50 new ones to get to mm-hmm. But. Those comments are a way to, you know, create all these genuine good interactions with our our customers. And as a result, you know, they we put a face to the brand, we put an identity to the brand, and then they have a, a positive experience with us, even if it's just like, hey, like, you know, they just tag a like, hey, look at this hat, what do you think? And then you know, we'll respond to something super simple like, Hey, thanks for checking us out. Let's have any questions. Or like, oh, you like that style? That's a great choice. We designed that bill because of X, Y, and Z. You know, like. Um, so we, we still to this day, uh, regardless of you know, having over like 100,000 followers across, uh, across social media, like, we still try to make each moment with our customers like a memorable one. Um, and that's something we did very early on. And we had like you know, 50 followers to where yeah. we're at now. And uh, I think that, that'll be a piece of it we you know, continue to value.
1: Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24 7 sales and customer service on your e commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms, so, setup is quick and easy.
2: Simplers Network of on-demand, US-based Simplers specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts or minimums.
1: Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler Specialist.
2: Start your free seven day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S I M P L AI slash honest. Let's talk about the beginning. You got a product, you got a website. Was your first website on Shopify?
0: No, it was on Squarespace. And, uh, the uh, Squarespace was great for you know, simple, clean layouts, but wasn't great for e commerce. Uh, we jumped the ship about a year and a half into business, I think, to Shopify. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the back end of Shopify and just being like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's entirely designed for e commerce, not just oh, designed absolutely. for a pretty website.
2: Yeah, I think uh, so. I'm like a Shopify partner guru, uh, not guru. I hate that word. I hate the word guru or rock star when it comes yeah. to cash. But I mean, I'm a big evangelist for Shopify or e com. If you're doing like a B two B thing or a portfolio website, Squarespace is awesome. I just told a friend to build a Squarespace website yesterday. They you know, yeah. I hate when people are like, it's this way or the highway with like any sort of CMS or technology. It's like, no, they all exist for a certain reason. Absolutely. And you know, I I think Squarespace is great for the things I listed, but yeah, for ecom, Shopify is obviously obviously awesome. So during those first two years, uh, before you made the switch to Shopify, like where, how was that working? What was the growth like? How were your sales like? What were the struggles back then?
0: Man, the still uh, throwback. So you know, we started this company with no investors, with no influencers. Uh, it was about fourteen hundred dollars and eighty hats. Is about where we started. Uh, started in the living room uh, with my uh, our co-founder Sarah, who's my ex now, but we were dating at the time, um, and it was just the two of us in the living room, and uh, she was kind of doing like the like. A lot of the sewing stuff for like our pockets and beanies. Um, I was doing pretty much a lot of the other stuff there. And, uh, you know, the very first day we launched, we had like an opening party. Uh, that went super smooth. Um, and then the website went live and we made the website live. And like, I stayed up all night. It went live at like 7 a.m. and I went to bed. And uh, when I woke up, I didn't see any sales. I was like, oh, that's too bad. And then I went to the website and I, I saw like we had some emails like, hey, like the payment processor's not working. Oh, okay. uh, or it's not letting us add something to Carter. basically, there's one button on shop ons first that was like enable store and I never clicked the enable store button. Oh, <laughs> so guys. yeah, that was the, that was the very first taste of uh, e-commerce at least for that product uh, or at least this company where uh, it's like you know the, the long road started with uh, you know three to four hours of the website just not even working once we launched. So yeah, I've been putting out fires every day since then. uh, Some bigger, some smaller. Um, But early on, um, honestly, we took we had pretty good traction from the beginning. You know, it wasn't crazy, but I mean, we were selling a handful of hats a day. I want to say like between like one and ten a day for the first year.
2: And how are Um, you getting those first
0: sales? I mean, through social media, pretty much pretty heavily. We had uh, again, like the community was a big piece of uh, even like early on, like for our sponsored athletes. So we had a you know a lot of people who uh, I knew through action sports photography or just through my friends and uh, so I mean they helped spread the word for sure we got our we got our hats on the heads of good people who were then spreading the word about it
2: Um, influencer marketing before influencer marketing was a thing
0: I mean to some degree I mean it was it was you know like Friends rocking it, you know, like and some of our friends have bigger followings than others. Some of them are like pretty like advanced amateur riders. So I mean, it, it was that was a big piece of it. And we kind of grew from city to city. There's a couple of hubs, especially in the northwest, that really got us off the ground, like Hood River, uh, Oregon, and uh, Port Angeles and Squim, Washington. Um, we had and Bellingham. Uh, those were like three kind of our biggest hubs early on, where we just had a lot of people wearing finley, and they were creating a little bit of buzz around it but i mean it was really like we didn't have much of a budget for advertising we really didn't like go too hard with a lot of stuff on that and we just had a lot of content we did contests we did you know whatever we could to grow organically at the time and just kind of took it one day at a time uh, i kind of put, touched on it earlier but even at that stage we really like went hard with trying to communicate with our customers and when it was you know when we had not that many followers it was really easy to go to every person's page and ask questions and comment stuff and Definitely spent a lot of time just directly engaging with our early customers because that was you know one of the ways that I saw it's like each one of these is a potential sale and a potential lifelong customer and it's cool to see we still have a lot of those early customers that I remember their you know their names from them.
2: Nice. And then let's fast forward to now. What's a, what's a day in the life at Finley Hats now? What's your guys's uh, you know what's not your marketing plan? That'll take way too long to explain. But what are you guys doing today? That's different from back then. Obviously, I know you guys are now getting into Facebook and Instagram a bit with paid. Uh, let's talk about that.
0: Um, what do you want to hit, hit on first? I can expand on that in many different directions. The, uh, I guess I, I can, I'll hit it from here. The, uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing we've noticed in the last like year has just been, you know, this, the social media advertising has gotten a lot more difficult. Like our return on ad spend has dropped so heavily compared to where it was even this time last year. One of the biggest things that, like, if you talk about like hockey stick growth for our brand, uh, was back in 2017 when I we basically we were having a slow year from January through May, and we're actually like behind where we were the year before. And pretty much up to that point, every year we had doubled in sales, uh, pretty like on like like pretty consecutively. But for this time, for the first time, we were seeing like a down year. We were behind. Um, so I was like, okay, like we need to change. Like, what is it? Like, what's going to be the recipe for that? And uh, I forget exactly what inspired me to do it, but I was like, oh, clearly Facebook advertising is like we do it lightly. You know, we probably spent like twenty or thirty dollars a day at the time, and uh, it's like, okay, like we're not really seeing good results with it. But I'm seeing all this stuff that like it's, you know, we should be using it heavier. There's brands that are spending significantly more than that. They're also way bigger than us. It's like. So, I basically was like, oh, I need to learn Facebook advertising inside and out. So, I took the, the Facebook blueprint course and then I took some courses on uh, Udemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, great resource for learning. Anyone watching this that's trying to learn, I highly recommend checking out Udemy for any related course to what you're interested in because there's some really good stuff on there. So, I took, yeah, the courses on, on Facebook advertising and kind of got a much better understanding for how it works and realized we had just never, ever really done a prospecting campaign. To a look-alike audience with a video that just explains who we are and what we're all about. Mm-hmm. That's that's all it was. So I made that video. It was we had you know we have a lot of great content to pull from. So I made the video. It's very basic, like just action shots, feature text below, like very just like you see on Facebook stuff. It was not it was not an incredible piece of work, but the shots were clean and it makes the hats look cool and. You know, it hits the good selling point, or hits some good selling points. So we ran our first prospecting campaign um, on Facebook uh, for, as I can, a video views uh, objective, and then also conversions. When I forget exactly, just to a lookalike audience to our, I think ten thousand followers we had at the time mm-hmm. on Facebook, and pretty much overnight, that changed our brand. Our return on ad spend for the first like week or two was like eighteen which you know anyone in e-commerce knows like i mean for us like you know 2
2: it now is good yeah. 2 or 3 is solid i, mean, I always so. say you you should be happy about 5 anything above that you should be very happy yeah and i <laughs> I'd, be, I'd love 5 absolutely That's yeah what
0: you're yeah i know yeah. we, uh...
2: we're talking yeah. about across the board from prospecting down to retargeting you know the prospecting's so expensive if no one's ever heard of finley you're showing them something half those people aren't going to care so yeah, absolutely. That's just the cost of doing business up there. Yep. Yeah, but at the
0: time, yeah, prospecting campaign at like seventeen or eighteen ROAs, uh, which was just insane. Like we were not spending that much; we was just bringing in an insane amount of sales. You know, our average order went up to like literally like ten times more than what we were doing at the time, and it just it gave us the opportunity to move into this warehouse space. It we expanded our staff. We had four at the time to, I think, like seven pretty much, pretty quickly after that. And it's fully grown since then. Um, so basically, strategic social media advertising was a huge, you know, boost in our brand's existence. Our daily ad spend went up significantly, obviously, from 30 a day. We were probably at the time spending maybe four to 600 a day ish, um, like through that summer at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, like, Times change, same, you know, like content gets old, audiences go stale, thousand factors go in, and then, you know, yep. every day since then it's got worse, worse, worse. So it's really been, and then uh, pretty much last uh, September or so, we basically like realized that like we needed to start diversifying, you know, we can't just rely heavily on social media advertising. So we've been kind of working on other avenues. Um, Right now, one of the biggest things that we've added into our our marketing chain is just—I kind of mentioned it earlier—but just much stronger email marketing. Yep. We, you know, we've had very basic, like you know, sixty days to get this email, ninety days, one hundred eighty days, and then like a very basic welcome flow yep. and like abandoned cart, and that's pretty much it. And um, we're now working with an agency that is just you know responsible for this month. They've done twenty percent of our sales have been entirely from email marketing. Which yeah, I passed right the board three like percent, you know like it, yeah. it went from three percent to 20 all because of this single agency. so it's been you know little things like that of it we've kind of been backed into a corner and have to figure out what the appropriate route is to go from there. I,
2: I think that I don't know who said it. You know, email was dead, or like email marketing is dead. Like they're a liar and <laughs> asshole for the most part. Like I, it, I have so many people who are like, oh, I heard email like wasn't it? Like I need to do Facebook and and Instagram advertising. I'm like, well, that costs money, and you already have this email. Why not just do that? So I don't know. That's just me going off on a tangent. So I want to go back to you said something about h- how the ads would get like cold on Facebook. Um, I don't want anyone to take this to heart that they need to do it for their business. But like, how often are you guys recycling? Not recycling, but uh, producing new content for those campaigns pretty much
0: weekly yep the, uh, and i mean it's it it varies fairly heavily depending on pros- like retargeting's fairly consistent with like dynamic ads and then uh we try not to, like we try to sprinkle in like it's not all like buy 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 you know it's value value buy funny value buy i don't know it varies and uh but for prospecting we have a pretty good arsenal and again we work with another agency for our uh social media advertising now um it just got to the point where I just didn't have the time to like day trade, looking at our you know our campaigns. And I still I'm in our ad manager daily, but I'm not uh, you know A/B testing and split testing, doing all this different stuff each day. Um, and our agency, luckily, is pretty awesome with uh, one testing all the different uh, campaigns and testing all the different creatives and offers and um, text and all or copying all that. But you know, I, I because I have a good. Enough background understanding of it, I can kind of see like you know I understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. You know, we have weekly meetings and all that. Um, But yeah, we're changing our content up pretty often. Some of the videos have been around like the the very original video that gave us that big uh, hockey stick growth. We ran that video uh, up until the last couple months um, with a very low daily spend, but it was just like it was such a like you know it had I think I forget it had like I want to say twelve million views. Uh, I think it's a little. It's probably past that, but it was just like it was just really tough for me to turn that one campaign off, regardless of it. You know, not really performing well. It was just tough to see that that original one just go down. So yeah, I mean, we're we're recycling it and testing. We we tried different stuff until you know it stops. You know, we stop seeing a good return on it, and we'll find something that works, and we'll see if we can make it work better. So yeah, I mean, you know, having fresh, you know, changing content, I think is definitely important. You don't want, uh, you know, to get fatigued too quickly.
2: Yeah, I, I see that is usually the number one problem with people when they're at the point where paid advertising makes sense for the brand is they don't have the systems in place within their business to produce content fast enough. You know what I mean? If you're, you know, one photo shoot every quarter is definitely not enough. You oh,
0: know? No, no, <laughs> like
2: you know, a week long photo shoot, then maybe, uh, you know, it's, and then just video outperforms photography. Uh, you know, I've especially when I was younger doing this before the agency. Like, we'd have some clients that would be like, "Here's a folder with like 80 things. Make this work for the next six months." You know, just random videos or, or pictures. It's like, well, that kinda can work, but like once you start split testing stuff, that is gone so fast.
0: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, uh, well, that's where the, the the photo and you know video in house you know comes into play. Like we can you know create content in a day. You know, like. It's pretty simple on our end to, you know, have an idea, execute it, share it like that day. Like ninety percent of our Instagram posts were taken within the last like hour before you see it there. Like definitely, at least for like the product stuff and, and stuff like that. So no, definitely, uh, content is king, and <laughs> you wanna you wanna have a nice diverse mix of good stuff. You know, it's it's it always trips me out seeing brands or even people, even photographers, just sharing like the same. Like style photos back to back to back. It's like yeah, like I saw this exact model wearing that exact thing just in a slightly different pose yesterday. You know, like
2: no, those are too similar. Like I wouldn't even notice it was a slightly different pose. Those are the same things to me, even though technically it's different. It's a different ad name. Uh, you definitely want the creative to be like different enough that like a toddler could tell the difference.
0: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, at the same time, you know, if you find a formula that works, run with it. Yeah. Uh, You know, and it's like there's there's a few photos that we'll do that, like someone holding two hats, one on one side with the laces up, one with the laces down on the other side, um, side by side, and uh, you know those those style shots just consistently work really well for like a two week window. So we'll like run those heavily until they stop working, and then we'll you know switch up the hats, switch up the environment. So you know there's little formulas within that where it's like you know it's it's recycled concept, but different execution.
2: Yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. If you <laughs> if you find something that works, remember it and keep doing it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Good point.
2: All right, so we're talking about all these awesome things that you're doing. Uh let's let's take it back other than forgetting to turn your store on, what's <laughs> what's like a hiccup along the road, you know, a mistake or something similar that you remember that uh looking back on it you want to like help our listeners not make.
0: Oof. Wow. Oh God! I mean, I'm still making mistakes all day, so I can just look like right out, you know, out there. Um, I mean, I, I'd say like this is more of a big picture thing than an individual mistake, but it's like depending on where you're at in the journey of entrepreneurship, e-commerce, doing your own thing, be it creative or whatever. You know, be ready to dive all in and make sacrifices. You're making a mistake if you expect to just start something and then get rich and then just like hang out on a beach all day because like this road is like not easy and it's definitely not for everyone. And it's definitely a mistake if you think that it, you know, is gonna just be all like roses and like paved. Golden roads of happiness because it's like there's sacrifices, there's definitely hardship, there's definitely like you know, it's a sacrifice. You really got to be all in uh, to build something great. And I mean, some people will stumble into something amazing without those hardships, but the chances of that, from my experience, are few and far between. Um, but I mean, at the same time, the rewards are extremely worth it. And you know, if you're actually passionate about it, and actually love what you're doing, right? Like, you know, you all of those problems will be worth it in the end but just don't dive in thinking it's going to be great from the beginning cuz it's you got to make sacrifices you got to put in the work you got to put in the hours if you're doing it just for the money if you're doing it just because you think it'll be like create the lifestyle you want immediately uh, then you're definitely not doing it for the right reasons so that's more so coming from you know the countless 80r weeks i put in these last 6 years and the late nights in this chair right here staying up late by myself trying to like keep this thing afloat trying to stay in motion it's not an easy road but if you do it because you love it and you're motivated to create something that's like bigger than you then like go like go for it
2: you know what i think that that is the best sign off we've ever had on on this podcast man so thank you so much for being on sharing the story and just that last little snippet there, like that's, you'll have to wait to the end, unfortunately, but that's, <laughs> oh,
0: that's, that's the thing, right? You gotta, you gotta exit through the gift shop.
2: Absolutely. Uh, All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Heck yeah. Happy to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io.
1: Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.